The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, church. Glad that you are here. Hope you are enjoying your summer. The weather has been beautiful. I said this last service, I love the, the nice weather, but anybody in that place where it's gotten a little warm where you're like scouring to see if any store still has a little portable air conditioner for your house yet? I was talking with somebody the other day who was saying that they had just moved up here and they're like, man, we're not used to this. Our house has always had you know, air conditioning from where we came from in California. I said, yeah, not, most of them not up here. So you sweat out those nights. But um, hope you're enjoying your summer. I can't believe we're almost in August. It's crazy. 2018 has flown by. Um, if I haven't had the privilege to meet you before, um, I just want to say welcome. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors on staff, um, and we are diving in, continuing uh, our message series at the movies. Aaron, Pastor Aaron opened us up last week. We're continuing that today. Uh, two things. First off, if you take your Bibles out, um, we always encourage you to bring your Bible. I'm going to have you turn uh, to Romans chapter 12, verse 9. We're going to get there in a little bit. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. As you're, as you're turning there, Nick did text me this morning uh, that he and the Dominican Republic mission team are on their way back today. He wanted me to say, hi, I'm on my way. Tell him I'll be there next week. He misses all of you. Um, so pray for safe travels for them as they come back. I'm excited to hear some of the stories of what they got to do uh, down there with building schools. Um, but the series at the movies as we dive in, I just want to simply say this. I love movies. I love movies of every kind for a lot of different reasons, but one of them is I love, it's kind of one of my ways to just kind of um, just, just check out and recharge, right, just to, to, to rejuvenate. Um, you know, all of us kind of have some of those things that we go to to just kind of get away uh, and de-stress from whatever life has, right? Some of us, you know, you like to go hiking. You know, you like to climb, you know, you know Mount Pilchuck. You like to go climb Mount Rainier. Maybe if you're a crazy hiker, um, if you're ever going hiking, don't invite me. I hate it. I know, I know, I know. Nick gives me a hard time all the time because he loves to hike. I just, I don't enjoy it very much. But if that's your thing, that's awesome. Get out and see nature. Others, others of us like to go golfing, right? Maybe that's the way that we just de-stress and get out there. I love to golf. It's not a distressor for me. It's a stressor for me, okay? I'm competitive, all right, with myself. Like, I can be competitive with anybody else but myself in golf, right? Others of us, um, we like to knit and crochet and things like that, like Pastor Aaron, to, you know, to decharge and de-stress, okay? So that's the things that we like to do. But, but for me, it's movies. And I love movies, again, for a lot of different reasons. And, and Aaron opens up last week, and the reason we're doing a series like this is simply because movies have the ability to touch on or illuminate parts of the human condition, things that you and I face every day of our lives, right? They have this power to connect us to things that we face every day. Um, to prove this point, I need your help this morning as we start. I'm going to ask you, that, uh, I'm going to ask a few questions. I'd love for you to raise your hand if it applies to you. And I want to preface this by saying I'm not going to ask any trick questions. Like you're going to put your hand up and everybody's going to turn and laugh at you, okay? That's not what's going to happen. I just want you to be honest um, if this applies to you. And if you're not honest, God may or may not strike you with lightning. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there, right? But anybody ever been to a movie and ever seen a comedy, whether at home or in the theater, where you laughed, right? It made you laugh. And not just like the inside laugh, but you LOL'd, right? You laughed out loud, right? Like movies have the power, right, to bring levity to our stressful situations. Laughter is a great medicine in a lot of different ways. Here's, here's another question. And have you ever had a movie that you watched that made you sad, right? Any movies that made you sad? Fellas, I'll ask it in this way so you feel comfortable raising your hands, right? Not that you cried, but maybe you got misty-eyed a little bit, all right? Okay, you had something stuck in your eye, right? Movies have the ability to, to interact and to, and to go to the core of some of the feelings and the emotions when it tackles certain topics, and we relate to that. 
Here's another one. Anybody ever watched a movie that made you angry? Right? Maybe it was a civil rights movement movie or some movie about an injustice that was happening somewhere in the world. I'll share one of my top, probably top 10 favorite movies. I don't watch it all the time because it's hard, but Schindler's List. Anybody seen Schindler's List before? I love World War II stuff, but, but it, it's almost like a righteous anger uh, rises in my spirit when I watch that, when, when I see the, the absolute disregard for human life that the Nazis had, right? Movies have the ability to, to impact us on that level. As well, one last one. Um, anybody ever watched a movie and been inspired, right? And, and been inspired to be different, to be a better husband, father, person, member of society, right? Movies have the ability to inspire us to be better, to live for more than maybe we're living for. The one that comes to mind for me is Dead Poet Society, right? When I watch that movie, I want to stand on my desk and, and shout, oh, captain, my captain, right? I want to carpe diem the crud out of my day, right? When I see that movie, it inspires me to be better. And today we're going to use one of my favorite movie franchises of all time to highlight a very crucial topic for every single one of us. Take a look.
right? Indiana Jones, come on. Love, love, love this movie series. And to be honest with you, we're going to talk about a specific topic. And I could have used a lot of different movies to illustrate this point. But the reason I chose Indy is because it's one of my favorites. But right, what is Indiana Jones in this film? He's our hero, right? Throughout the entirety of the series, he's our hero. And heroes in most movies, not all, but most, a classic hero is defined because of certain character qualities that he or she possesses, right? Heroes do the right things for the right reasons, right? For Indy, his day job is an archaeology professor, but on the side, he's a booby-trap-solving, world-saving, Nazi-battling hero, right? He kind of moon, you know, moonlights as that on, on the weekends, right? In this clip we just watched, even from a young age, the right thing for Indy is that these historical artifacts belong in a museum. Like they belong to all people, not some greedy, rich, private collector, right? That's a small level. At the bigger level, later in this film and in others, he battles the Nazis to save the world from the destruction, right? If they were to get the hand specifically in this one, the last crusade of the Holy Grail, right? The idea of a hero, all of us love a hero. We relate to a hero, right? And what draws us to liking them is this set of character qualities. And our topic for today, like last week was the desire for all of us to belong, is this theme of character. What is our character on the inside, right? And heroes portray these characteristics. Now, not all heroes are created equal in the movies that we watch, right? You've got heroes like Superman, right, or Captain America, which are innately good. They always do the right thing for the right reasons, right? Other movies cast their hero in a different light, right, where they're imperfect. Let me just use one example, right? Tony Stark from Iron Man. Anybody seen Iron Man or, or those other? Tony's a little bit different, right? He's not innately good, is he, right? Tony is a, is a billionaire playboy. He's arrogant. He's selfish. He's brash, and yet, somewhere along the line of when we watch that story or movies like that, when we follow, we see those types of characters eventually display or grow into or find deep down that they actually have good character. They make the right decision in the end. They risk their life, willing to sacrifice themselves, right, to save the world. We love this type of hero, too, because it resonates within us the imperfections of human nature, we, where we may aspire to be like Superman, just innately good for all the right reasons all the time, we relate more to a Tony Stark because he's imperfect. And we love this type well, because we relate, but even though the idea is that we see the mistakes that we make, and even though we haven't always made the right choices, right, in those movies when we're watching, we connect through that feeling, that experience, through that story, with the hope that you and I can possess and obtain those same character qualities. You never knew movies were so deep, right? As you're sitting there in the theater eating butter popcorn or your Mike and Ike's at home on your couch, right, just, just chilling out and de-stressing, right? These are the things that are going on inside of you. We just mentioned a few things that impact us when we watch movies at the very beginning. So why do we love a hero? I believe it's actually a spiritual thing I, I believe that the majority of us deep down want to resonate with the character uh, traits that they portray because you and I were created in God's image and in his likeness is in our DNA, right? We see this in Genesis 1, verse 27, 
Right? That's when we face situations of right and wrong in our lives. When we see injustice takes place or unfairness, something stirs within our spirit and within our soul. And maybe you've always thought of it as just your conscience, or maybe you were taught it was just your moral compass. But what you and I need to be reminded of is that it is actually the likeness of Jesus and of God that resides within us that is a draw towards those characteristics and those qualities. Does that make sense? The hard part is, though, is that we also have another side to us, don't we? Right? Another side of our being that pulls us in the opposite direction of that. We refer to it as our sin nature, right? That from the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden that sin entered the world, we're drawn to things like selfishness and lust and greed and envy and all kinds of sin. It is the great dichotomy of the human nature, this battle that's always going on within us that we're created like Christ, and so we desire these good qualities. We want to do the right thing, and yet at the same time, there's days that we felt pulled, moments pulled to the opposite direction away from him, and it's a battle that's happening all the time. It's raging inside of us. right? We love a hero, again, because our being, the very essence of our being, resonates with the desire for the qualities that heroes in our stories and in our movies represent. And now, to be honest, Indy and other heroes in the movies and books that we uh, watch may have Hollywood's definition of character, but that doesn't necessarily mean, right, that it's a godly biblical perspective of godly character, and yet the topic is a crucial one for you and I, because in today's world, character is often neglected and even non-existent. So the question for us is, what does the Bible say about Christian character? How important is it really? And as I started studying for this, I, I thought of many different characters, especially like in the Old Testament that we could have used today as an example. We could use David or Moses or Ruth or Job and the struggles they go through and the character that Joseph in Scripture, one of my favorites. But as I began to think about it more, I kept popping up because this theme of character is woven all throughout Scripture from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. And so I wanted to give us a holistic view, and so today I want to take us kind of on a journey throughout Scripture, a survey uh, 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 of the Bible about what it says about Scripture. And so we're going to get to uh, Romans here, where I had you turn in just a few moments, but I want to take you on a journey. So Proverbs 17.3 is where I want to start, and it says this. It's a beautiful picture for us. It says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. A.W. Tozer, who was a famous American Christian pastor, author, and magazine editor, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, described character as the excellence of moral beings. As he said, as the excellence of gold is its purity, and the excellence of art is its beauty, so the excellence of man is his character. Persons of character are noted for their honesty, their ethics, and their charity. Descriptions we might hear from day to day, such as he's a man of principle or she is a woman of integrity, are assertions of character. A lack of character is a moral deficiency, and persons lacking character tend to behave dishonestly, unethically, and uncharitably. And what Tozer is using is that proverb we just read, 17.3, to describe this idea that the excellence of gold is its purity, the excellence of art is its beauty, and so the excellence of man is his character. Do you know how gold and silver are refined? Because again, 
Proverbs 17.3 says, The crucible for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. When you find raw gold or silver, it's not worth as much until you purify it. Because when you find a chunk of gold, there's other elements, there's other minerals, there's dirt inside of it. But what they do is they heat it up. And we've got a, a picture of how they do this in the furnace. And when it becomes molten, uh, a molten metal, they go by and they skim the impurities that float to the top off. And they repeat this process several times until you end up with pure gold or pure silver. Beautiful picture. And the same is true for how the Spirit of God uses the fires of trial in our lives to bring the impurities to the surface in us and in our character, right? The temptations that we face, the tough situations that we go through. And when they bring these uh, impurities to the surface to our attention, we can deal with them in an effort for God to refine us and make us pure. Does that that make sense? Do you follow that? The fires of trial not only test our faith, because they do, but they also refine our character, Let me take you another journey here about character, what we find uh, in the scriptures. Romans 5, uh, 3 through 4 says, We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces what? Oh, come on. You guys can do that. Let's try this again. Let's try it again. All right. I caught you off guard. Let's try it again. All right. Says this, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces and character hope. It's a process of God. One of his primary goals is building character within you and I. That's how important it is. Here's another thing on our tour through scripture that's an important thing for us to understand when it comes to a person's character. A person's character is the sum of his or her disposition. The word sum, it's a math term, right? You add all these things up together. It's the sum of a person's disposition, their thoughts, intentions, desires, and actions. It's good to remember that character is gauged by the overall life, not on the basis of a few isolated incidents, right? We must look at the whole life. For example, King David's a great example. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, 14, the verse reads, David was a man after God's own heart. When we think about King David, one of the greatest kings to ever rule Israel, right? He was chosen by God because God doesn't look at the exterior, right? We've gone through this before, but he looks at the heart. Like there was something that David had that was amazing. It was out tending sheep. We know that David was a worshiper and a warrior. He loved God. Those are the things that we remember. He had good character. Yet we also know that David had another side to him, don't we? There's not a long list of offenses, but the ones that he did do were pretty big, weren't they? He's an adulterer, he's a murderer, and he's a schemer to cover it up. But we remember David for the overall life. Now, here's not what I'm saying. This verse and this idea doesn't give us a license to sin. Although David's character is still remembered as the whole, he still suffered the consequences of his decisions, didn't he? Does that make sense? Our lives, we reap what we sow. There's moments where we'll make mistakes, but the whole judgment of character is the whole life. As we journey through Scripture even more, we see in 1 Chronicles 29, 17, it says, you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. Your integrity and your character pleases God when it's based on Him. Philippians 4, 8 
right, shows us that we can develop character by controlling our thoughts. It says this, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. As we engage this topic, we love the idea of having great character, but we hate thinking about the topic because when we compare ourselves next to the lists that we're going to start seeing of the attributes of God, we see how glaringly (laughs) missing we are from living up to that. But it's still powerful. It's needed for us. 2 Peter Chapter 1, 5 through 6 says this, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. Right? That by practicing Christian virtues, we can increase and grow our character. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says this, Do not be deceived, bad company ruins morals. Paul's reminding us that by those that we hang out with can influence us. Those that we allow into our circle, those that we look up to and admire have the ability to shape who we become. I was a youth pastor back in the mid uh, and late 90s. And in the, in, in the 90s and the 2000s, every youth pastor, you could hear them say the same line, right? They say this to students all the time. I can tell you your future by the people that you hang out with. I can tell you where you're going to up, end up by the people that you hang out with. And while that's a true statement, because Paul is reminding us of that, sometimes as the Capital C Church and as pastors, we do a poor job explaining a whole idea. Because if I just left it at that, because there are some students that heard that term, and what they've grown to understand and do in their lives now that they're in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, is that they have excommunicated themselves from anybody who's not a Christian. And that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's not saying shut off everybody. Be careful who you allow into your inner circle to shape you and influence you because it will happen. But that doesn't mean it's us and them. We're called to be in the world, just not of it. And so I want you to understand, Paul's reminding us of the danger. Don't be deceived. Bad morals can ruin it, right? Bad people, if you're influenced by those uh, that are leading different lives or living up to a different set of values, that it will influence you if you give them that position, Here's another one as we take a tour through scripture. Titus 2, 7 through 8. It says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about you. It's the idea that men and women of character will set a good example for others to follow and their godly reputation will be evident to all. Here's another, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We know this as the fruit of the Spirit. Right is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as we leave today, and I'm going to remind us of this at the end, the driving point is that you and I should be looking at and examining our character. And the way that we do that, the rubric, right, the, the way that we judge, we compare our character next to are some of these virtues. Do I see these things evident in my life or do I not? Do I see love? Do I see patience, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness? Do I see self-control? Acts 20, 35 says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it's more blessed to give than receive. A great virtue that comes out of godly character is generosity. Again, that almost ties back into A.W. Tozer, the quote that we read, Right? That people with great godly character show honesty, ethics, and charity, willing to help. 
And now we come to Romans 12, chapter 9, which I had you turn to at the beginning of this message. And here's another long list of attributes. And if you've got your Bible with you, grab a pen that's in the seat in front of you maybe and just start underlining some of these. These are a good way for us to remind ourselves of what it means. Are we stacking up? Are we measuring? Do we see these things in our lives? And Romans says this, love must be sincere. Love, great attribute that's needed. Hate what is evil, right? Hating that which is evil is important. Cling to what is good. Be, to, be devoted to one another in love. There's love again. Honor one another above yourselves. Selflessness. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your uh, spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Zeal is a great attribute to have, right? Service to others. Being servants is a great attribute to have. Be joyful. There's another one. In hope. There's another one. Be patient. There's another one. In affliction. Be faithful. There's another one. In prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. There you go. Generosity again. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. There's another one. With everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, forgiveness, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, and in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is a list of attributes that we see that naturally come out of godly character. Again, now I love you. As your pastor, I want to encourage you as one of your pastors. But I also want to challenge you because I love you that much. As we begin to hold our lives, our values, our intentions, our character next to these lists, do we feed our enemies or do we fight with them? If he or she needs something to drink, do we give them what they need? Right? Do we have self-control? Do we have peace and love and kindness and goodness and faithfulness? Do we have these things in our lives? These are just some of the virtues that we should be seeking. I want to end with one more verse. It's Proverbs 28.6, and we'll land this plane today. And it says this. It says, Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. Let me read that again. Better is a poor man who has shoddy clothes, who's smelly and stinky, who has yellow teeth and crazy hair that we see walking down the road and we avoid and go to the other side. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who has the house, who has the job, who we look at from afar and say, man, they got a lot of people following them. Man, they seem to be living the, the, the American dream, the happiness. Oh, they go on vacations all the time. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. Character is what we think and what we do when nobody else is watching. Come on, church. Character is what we do, what we think, what we say when nobody else is watching. But here's the key. If... if, if David is correct in the Psalms. There's nowhere that you or I can go that is ever out of the sight of, of God. There's nowhere that we can hide from him. He's always watching. 
And here's the truth. The pursuit of godly character is a person's realization that the greatest pursuit in life is honoring and pleasing God. That he is the only one that we should be trying to impress. And yet our world and our culture has mesmerized us, fooled us, and tricked us into believing that man, people, are who we're trying to impress For whatever gain we seek, whether it's acceptance or belonging or power or position or fame or popularity or money or possessions, especially in our world today, our image amongst our peers and those that we see even at church are the things that we're obsessed with impressing. And even those that we'll never meet and we never have, like social media, we strive to impress them instead of God. And what happens here is we get the cart before the horse because in essence what we do is we start seeking a reputation and we overlook our character. We want to look good to people so we build this resume that's been doctored and is fraudulent and we put all of these things on there. It's as if we built a resume for a job and we just started lying about everything. But as soon, here's the problem, when we seek a reputation, and it's not bad to want a good reputation, but when we do the reputation and not build the foundation, which is our character, it will come crumbling down at some point. As soon as some fact-checking starts to happen, all of a sudden we'll be seen For what we really are. We have to seek after our character. And it's not always the big, huge things. Sometimes it's the very little, tiny things that speak to our character. I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, and he said, hey, man, I went, went to Mod Pizza with, uh, with my family, my wife, and my daughter, and, you know, we got there, we paid for the pizzas. Have you ever been to Mod Pizza? You kind of pay, and then you go find your seat. He said, I bought, I bought my wife a drink, and, and then my, my daughter and I are just going to do a cup, you know, and we'll, we'll get water out of the thing. And so I got them all situated, and I took the cups over for the water, and I, you know, man, but they got some really nice-looking teas and raspberry lemonades that are there, right? So it's like, I put a little water, you know, for my daughter, but then I put a little splash of, like, the raspberry lemonade in it. I thought she'd like that. So I come back to the table, and I set it down, and my wife goes, he goes, my wife goes, well, what's that? He goes, well, it's just some water. I put, I put some raspberry lemonade. I, I, thought, I thought that she'd like that. She said, well, did you pay for that? And he said, well, no, but I mean, it's just a splash of things. She goes, well, that's not really living with integrity. <laughs> and he goes, oh, man, I felt so convicted, you know. He's like, I went back up to the cash register, and I paid for a drink. I didn't even take the new cup. I just said, hey, we already kind of used it in these, one of these little cups, right? right? It's not always the great big things. Sometimes it's the little things. And the world will tell us all the time, justify why those things don't matter. But it speaks to our integrity. You know, my youth pastor used to always tell me, he said, Ryan, what you build with your gift, you can destroy with your character. What you build with your gift, maybe you're wicked smart. Maybe, maybe everybody looks up to you. You've got all the answers all the time. Maybe you've got a lot ability to, to build wealth and to help people with that. Maybe you've got a great gift that God has given you of leadership. Maybe there's always people just following you. Maybe you've got creativity. It's just crazy. Maybe you're a musician and you play. Maybe you've got a gift. What you build with your gift, you can destroy with your character. And in essence... Possessing godly character is doing the right thing. Just like Indy, we look at our heroes. We look at Superman. We look at, we look at these people. And, we, and they possess this idea to do the right thing. But godly character is doing the right thing even if it won't benefit us in any way and even if it will hurt us or impact us negatively. That's godly character. And we believe it so much as a church that it's one of our code on the wall 
one of the core values that we live by. And as a church, that doesn't just mean for the pastors. It's not written up there so that we can do it because it's for the staff. It's for all of us. We believe in integrity and character. And that's why it says we will have Christ-like character. We believe integrity is everything. Without it, nothing else matters. Nothing we do, nothing we build, nothing we do matters if integrity, if character isn't there. The entirety of scripture points over and over. Every instance of every person, every story in the Old Testament is built around this theme of character, of pursuing God first, of keeping him number one in our lives, of impressing him. We see where they've, some of them have failed and missed it, and we can learn from that. The New Testament challenges the first and second century church to be models of good character. Because if all we do is pursue a reputation, it's too easy to falsify it. It's too easy to put a mask on and come to church and look like we have it all going on and that everything is fine. But the question is, what's your character? Because that is a house of cards, your reputation, that can come tumbling down in a moment if it doesn't have the foundation of character. Does that make sense? Come on, let me pray for you today. God, we thank you for your word. God, even when it challenges us, God, and we are grateful like David that the prerequisite to godly character is not perfection because if it was perfection, none of us could ever attain it. Tens and hundreds and thousands of times over. And yet it is the sum of our whole lives, the intentions, the reasonings why we want to do things. And God, we want to be aware of where our sin nature takes over. We want to be aware, God, we're being influenced by others, culture, our business, whatever we see happening, God, throughout media and all of those things that say this is the way you've got to get ahead. We don't want to live by those things because my reputation means nothing if it's falsified, if it's not real. And we commit ourselves, God, I pray for each person, each couple, each family, including myself, God, that we would go away today, tomorrow, this week, next week, and we would search after, like David prayed in the Psalms, search my heart, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. If there's anything in me that is not of you, would you bring it to the surface so that it can be removed like the dross so that I can be pure? We want to live for you. We want a foundation that will stand the test of time, and we commit ourselves to that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.